Section 35 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11. Section 35. Selected Poems by Sir Aubrey de Vere, 1788-1846 At Curra Chase, in the picturesque county of Limerick, Ireland, Aubrey Hunt was born in 1788. On the death of his father, he succeeded to the baronetcy and took the name of de Vere. Though his deep love of nature prompted him while very young to write descriptive verses, it was the drama that first seriously attracted him. This form he chose for his first painstaking work, Julian the Apostate. The play opens at the time when Julian, having renounced the faith of his household oppressors, is allowed as a pagan worshipper to participate in the Eleusian mysteries. When, it is said, he consented to the assassination of his uncle, the Emperor Constantius it found an admiring and enthusiastic audience and received unstinted praise from the critics one wrote lord byron has produced nothing to equal it and another scott has nothing so intellectual or so elevated among his exquisite sketches mary tudor a drama written two years before his death in eighteen forty six is his most considerable work says his son and an expression of his sympathy with great qualities obscured by the great errors and great calamities the sonnet was however the form of composition he preferred and as a sonneteer he will be remembered his sonnets are mainly historical though he wrote also some religious and descriptive ones which wordsworth considered the most perfect of our age his earlier ones modelled after those of Petrarch and Philokija, are inferior in imagery, phraseology, and nobility of thought to those produced under the influence of Wordsworth, a poet whose genius de Vere was among the first to acknowledge, and whose friendship he regarded as one of the chief honours of his life. Like his friend, de Vere was a patriot, and in his historical sonnets he has recorded his love for the land of his remoter ancestors whereas in the lamentations of ireland he has expressed with great ardour his love for the land of his birth in eighteen forty two he published the song of faith which with the exception of a few translations was all he gave to the world in twenty years devoted to his occupations as a country gentleman and being of a singularly modest disposition he neither loved nor courted fame nor found in it any incentive to action sir aubrey de vere was not in the modern acceptance of the term a national poet nor was he as so many of his contemporaries anti-irish he modelled his poems on the great english writers but all he wrote is pervaded with a deep sympathy for ireland and that at a time when such sympathy was rare the crusaders the flattering crowd wreathe laurels for the brow of blood-stained chief or regal conqueror to caesar or the macedonian bow 
meteors of earth that set to rise no more a hero worship as of old not now should chieftain bend with servile reverence o'er the fading pageantry of paynim lore true heroes they whose consecrated vow led them to jury fighting for the cross while not by avarice lured or lust of power inspired they combated that christ should reign and life laid down for him counted no loss on dorylaeum's plain by antioch's tower and ascalon sleep well the martyred slain the children's band from the crusaders all holy influences dwell within the breast of childhood instincts fresh from god inspire it ere the heart beneath the rod of grief hath bled or caught the plague of sin how mighty was this fervour which could win its way to infant souls and was the sod of palestine by infant croises trod like joseph went they forth or benjamin in all their touching beauty to redeem and did their soft lips kiss the sepulchre alas the lovely pageant as a dream faded they sank not through ignoble fear they felt not moslem steel by mountain stream in sands in fens they died no mother near the rock of cashel royal and saintly cashel i would gaze upon the wreck of thy departed powers not in the dewy light of matin hours nor in the meridian pomp of summer blaze but at the close of dim autumnal days when the sun's parting glance through slanting showers sheds o'er thy rock-thrown battlements and towers such awful gleams as brighten or decays prophetic cheek at such a time methinks there breathes from thy lone courts and voiceless aisles a melancholy moral such as sinks on the lone traveller's heart amid the piles of vast persepolis on her mountain stand or thebes half buried in the desert sand the right use of prayer therefore when thou wouldst pray or dost thine alms blow not a trump before thee hypocrites do thus vaingloriously the common streets boast of their largesse echoing their psalms on such the lord of man like unctuous balms falls with sweet savour impious counterfeits prating of heaven for earth their bosom beats grasping at weeds they lose immortal palms god needs not iteration nor vain cries that man communion with his god might share below christ gave the ordinance of prayer vague ambages and witless ecstasies avail not ere a voice to prayer be given the heart should rise on wings of love to heaven the church ay wisely do we call her mother she who from her liberal breath breeds sustenance to nations a majestic charity 
no marble symbol cold in suppliant glance deceitful smiling strenuous her advance yet calm while holy ardours fancy free direct her measured steps in every chance sedate as una neath the forest tree encompassed by the lions why alas must her perverse and thoughtless children turn from her example why must the silky breath of bigotry stain charity's pure glass poison the springs of art and science burn the brain through life and sear the heart in death sonnet sad is our youth for it is ever going crumbling away beneath our very feet sad is our life for onward it is flowing in currents unperceived because so fleet sad are our hopes for they were sweet in sowing but tares self-sown have overtopped the wheat sad are our joys for they were sweet in blowing and still oh still their dying breath is sweet and sweet is youth although it hath bereft us of that which made our childhood sweeter still and sweet is middle life for it hath left us a nearer good to cure an older ill and sweet are all things when we learn to prize them not for their sake but his who grants them or denies them end of section thirty five Recording by Alan Mapstone in Oxford, England.